It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. So we, we had a bunch of economic data this week. I know the election is hot and heavy. That's what everybody's talking about. Uh, and a mixed bag. I guess that's the way I would call it, a mixed bag. Uh, 2.5%, 2.6% increase in GDP. All of it was exports. It wasn't the domestic economy. And inflation numbers uh, still very difficult. So we're going to Mike Falkender, who's a professor of finance at the University of Maryland, former assistant secretary of the Treasury, secretary for economics. Mike, thanks for giving us a little time here on Saturday. Sort through, just give me your quick impressions of all these numbers that came out this week, if you would. Sure. So as you mentioned, the the GDP report came in pretty much as expected, and it was driven by, as you said, the net exports number. So the domestic economy, domestic consumption slowed significantly. Private investment fell enormously, which is what we would expect. You know, housing just got crushed in the third quarter. Mm. And, the, the, you know, the exports number is going to be a one-time blip because I think you had two things going on. Number one is that a lot of the exports were petroleum products. I think that was the largest component of it, and I don't see that continuing, particularly as, you know, OPEC drills less and as we stop taking out of the strategic petroleum reserve, I just don't think we're going to be exporting nearly the amount of, of petroleum products going forward that we did in the third quarter. But the other thing is that the imports number declined, and that was because part of China shut down again. Wow. And so with the reopening of Shanghai, you're going to see a catch-up on some of those imports, and that's going to, so that's going to reverse in the fourth quarter. So we've got some headwinds coming into the fourth quarter because, as you said, business investment is slowing significantly as a result of a higher interest rate environment. Consumer spending is slowing, again, because of the higher interest rate environment. And we've got a drag that's going to be coming from uh, a reverse in the exports. Michael, it, I mean, basically the first three quarters of the year, it's flat line, flat. right? Yeah, flat line. Yeah. And what the overall inflation rate would be what? I mean, I know the PCE deflator came out 6.2% year on year. Is that about right in your judgment? The CPI is higher. It's still 8% plus. So you got flat line economy. A lot of weakness. Housing's in a bad recession already. Business investment slipping, consumer slipping. Where is the inflation rate in your judgment? Yeah, I think that that's measured correctly. I'm I agree with the Fed that the PCE is a better metric because it adjusts as consumers change what they're buying. You mm-hmm. know, the big difference between CPI and PCE is the bundle mm-hmm. that you're pricing, and so as the economy changes, you want to update the bundle, and that's what PCE grabs. So six seems about right. Uh, you know, I think that the shelter inflation is probably maybe a little bit too high because the shelter inflation that they're measuring is picking up the run-up in house prices, but if house prices are now starting to come down due to the high interest rate environment, that means that's going to relax some of the impact on shelter. But as you and I talked about on your TV show earlier this week, we have, we're going to continue to see fuel inflation. And as you pointed out on Tuesday, there are so many petroleum products that are central to our economy. And you mentioned one of them, which is fertilizer. 
Mm. I think people really underestimate how much the reduction in fertilizer is going to continue to have an impact on the global food chain, and that that's why food inflation has been high and will probably continue. I want to come back to that in a second, but just one other thing. Uh, I was reading in the journal, Wall Street Journal this morning, so we got this employment cost index, which is a proxy for wages, plus 5% year on year, which is not a good number. But um, inside that, Michael Falkender, service workers, they mentioned retail, um, hospitality, uh, leisure, up 7.7%. Now, that is a very big number. And um, that makes me think that services inflation is going to be a problem here going forward. That's right. I mean, we, the, the whole concern the Fed had, and I think the reason Powell tried to convince the market that that inflation was temporary was so that we would not get into a wage price spiral. Well, we have, right? That, that cat's out of the bag. Mm. And so employees are going to demand compensation, particularly given how tight the labor market is. At all ends of the labor market, right? This is this is not just high end, high income people demanding wage increases. This is the entire spectrum of the labor force desiring, you know, improvements in their wages to compensate for the inflation. But that's what kicks off the wage price spiral because, of course, the higher wages then got to be paid for by higher prices, which then requires higher wages. And I think it's going to take quite a long time for the Fed to regain credibility and get wage earners and, and labor unions that are negotiating wage contracts to actually believe that we're going to get inflation back under control. Mm. That's what that's the problem when inflation gets out of control is that then long-term contracts incorporate higher rates of wage increases and cost increases, and it then creates kind of this permanent momentum to have higher inflation. Mm. We're talking to Michael Falkender, former assistant secretary of the Treasury, now teaching uh, finance and economics at the University of Maryland. So I want to go back to the TV show. I said to you, Republicans are going to sweep, but they're going to have a big problem. The economy is going to be declining. Inflation is still going to be high. It's a stagflation scenario. And I said, Michael Falkender, if I if I appoint you king for a day, January 3rd, what would you do? And you answered what? I answered the first thing we got to do is unleash American energy and end the war on American fossil fuels. At the end of the day, American fossil fuels, petroleum products, low-cost energy permeates the entire economy more than any other sector because it goes into the creation of so many of our products and it's required for the transportation of so many of our products. It was a brilliant answer. I mean that. It was a brilliant answer, and I've carried it forward all week long. It's such an important – there's a lot of things we have to do on spending and taxing and so forth, but I think you nailed it. I really do. It was an absolutely brilliant answer. Yeah, and when I think back to the success that we had during the Trump administration, it really was a trifecta of economic policies. It was tax reform. It was deregulation, but it was also unleashing American energy. Yeah. And it's it's been so discouraging to see the Biden administration reverse course on all three of those things. And where I think a Republican Congress can be most effective from day one is on the energy piece, because there's absolutely no reason not to greenlight the Keystone pipeline. There's absolutely no reason for for oil and gas leases to be at their lowest on levels on federal land that we have seen in generations. And I think that the I, I would love. 
I think the Republican Congress should dare the president to veto that. I think that the, here's the talk, Mike. Um, um, they're going to have a big permitting bill. Um, it'll be House and Senate. It may be the very first thing they do. So your advice is going to be taken. Uh, they're talking already about H.R. 1 and S. 1. Uh, it'll look something like Shelley Moore Capito's bill, but maybe even simpler and more direct. I guess it will simply codify permitting. I think that's what they're aiming for. It may include leasing, but basically it will open the door to, you know, all of it, fracking, production, pipelining, refining. I think I think that's where they're going to go. And I think that's correct because, as you say, and I, we went through this, um, I riffed on this several times of the week, Fossil fuels permeate so much of our everyday life. And on top of that, you know, natural gas is really a clean burning fuel and we make the cleanest oil in the world. So I think that I think they're going to do essentially they're going to follow your advice. Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, one thing people don't realize is we cut carbon emissions, I believe, more than every other developed nation because of fracking, mm-hmm. because converting our fuel supply largely to cleaner natural gas. Mm-hmm. So it is not inconsistent with having environmental goals that we engage in fracking and move towards you know, lower emission sources of fossil fuels while we bring on other types of energy. You know, you and I also in the Trump administration looked at renewing nuclear power. Mm-hmm. I think I think we need to, to I'd love to see part of HR1 and S1 encourage more nuclear power. What they've done in miniaturization uh, has been incredible. So there's a lot we can do in the energy sector and still be environmentally conscious. What I've never understood coming out of the Biden administration is why we would shut down domestic sources of fossil fuel production and then go ask the Venezuelans and the Saudis for oil. Right. I mean, there's just as if they're as if they are going to extract it in a more environmentally friendly way. <laughs> I, no, it's well, and look, a lot of people share that view. I mean, that's one of the sub themes in this. There's no reason why you can't have all of the above anyway. I mean, you're not against renewables. I'm not against renewables. You mentioned nuclear power. I'm not. I'm not against solar. I'm not against wind, but that's only five percent. The rest of it's nuclear, and then the rest, seventy-five percent or something, is fossil fuels. So you're waging war on our principal source of power, and it's not going to. You can't eliminate it. You can't. Well, eliminate, that, it's so important. And back to permitting reform, If even if you want to go more to renewables, why have we made ourselves reliant upon critical minerals largely from China and cut off our ability to mine those here in the United States? So even if you have an aspiration to go more renewables, there are certain inputs into creating windmills, into creating lithium batteries and, and electric vehicles and all of those things that it's very difficult to mine here in the United States. So we absolutely... Mining reform, permitting reform is, as you said, it's going to facilitate in all of the above domestic strategy. And we can once again become energy independent and keep all the wealth that we're currently exporting overseas. We can keep it here in the United States. Last uh, minute, Michael Fogarter. Um Recession risk, how would you rate it right now? Uh, I think we're looking extremely likely. Yeah. Um, 
you know, unfortunately, a lot of the table has been set, even if we get S1 and HR1. Mm. Uh, by the time all of that goes into play, I, I just we're going to be well into 2023. And I, I think that, as I said, with headwinds already in front of us um, and the Fed necessarily tightening because of the excessive fiscal and regulatory activities of the Biden administration, unfortunately, I think the table's been set for a recession at the beginning of 23. Yeah, I'm afraid if you're right. Already- uh, Michael Falkender, folks, University of Maryland, former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, good friend. Some very strong analysis, very tough stuff, but we've got to unleash fossil fuels. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, we are going to do some stock market work. I'm Larry Kudlow. Please stay with us. Plenty more coming. Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 